The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. Welcome, everyone. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of our listeners from all over the earth. We have quite an amazing following in Sweden, the United States, the UK, Canada, Australia, Germany, Spain, France, Japan, the Netherlands, Italy, Mexico, Peru, and China, just to name a few countries. And I want you to know that your presence is palpable and it is felt. And just thank you for continuing to share about Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with your networks because we have some incredible shows lined up for us all in the coming weeks and months. And thank you all so much for joining us for the second of Susan Olesic's amazing Nine Prisons, One Key series. If you missed the first episode covering the Enneagram Type 1, the perfectionist reformer that aired on January 26th, 2017, that episode is available on demand and is downloadable, so you can access that anytime, and it's free as always. In this episode, we will be exploring the Enneagram Type 8, the Protector Challenger. And just a reminder that the Nine Prisons One Key series will gather every fourth Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. So if you haven't already, be sure to mark your calendars for this amazing expedition because as the Enneagram Prison Project founder and human potentialist Susan Olesic says, we are all in a prison of our own making in the way that we suffer our personalities and in bearing witness to the courageous inner work taking place in the unlikely place that is jail or prison, Susan has become downright convinced that the benefit of self-understanding and awareness through the lenses of the Enneagram, mindfulness, and somatic practices is revolutionary, and it is a critical missing piece for real criminal reform. Susan says that self-knowing is sacred wisdom, and it's sacred work to bring this to as many people who can tolerate it who want it, and who could truly benefit from it. So without further ado, allow me to hand the mic over to my amazing co-host, Susan Olesic. Welcome back, Susan. I'm so excited about our show today. Good morning, Lisa. I'm so excited, too. Thank you for having all of us. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so, yes, go ahead and introduce your guests and um, tell us about the show. Thank you. Well, we have two type eights with us today. This is the center, excuse me, the type that we'll be covering in the belly center, the instinctual center of awareness. So I'm going to introduce them and then I will sort of um, review a little bit of this center of intelligence and the type eight. And then I'm going to teach in one of my favorite ways, which is called the narrative tradition and allowing um, both Lisa and Dustin to speak for themselves since I'm not an eight. I just know a little bit about it. Um, So first, let me introduce Lisa Phelan. She is joining us um, from here in California, but is originally from New York after spending 10 years in Europe. She's been living in California for the last three and a half years. And Lisa is a co-founder of an innovative marketing firm called Finn, working with startups and nonprofits and Fortune 500 companies. Lisa's a business coach and an Enneagram coach and a serious connector of ideas and people. And also noteworthy is that Lisa is married to a rock star and is a dedicated mother of two beautiful boys. Lisa's been a longtime supporter of my work as an Enneagram teacher and a core team member of Enneagram Prison Project. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much, Susan. Happy to be here. So glad for your support. And I'm going to I'm going to um just also introduce Dustin before we get started. Dustin is from Gilroy, California, born and raised where he was a uh, site facility coordinator for an international boarding school running all facilities, labor crews, and was even an on-site EMT. Dustin's passion is nature and animals, and one of his favorite things to do was is to go on survival trips out in the country where you have to catch your own food and eat and 
just about everything else under the sun. Um, EPP met Dustin during his incarceration in September of 2016 when he self-selected into an EPP program. And since his release, Dustin has been accepted into a year-long ambassador and mentorship program with EPP and is currently pursuing his Enneagram teacher certification with the hopes of helping others avoid a life of incarceration. Dustin, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. So glad that you're you're here, and, and thank you both for your your presence and your wisdom today. I want to just start by um, reminding people that the Enneagram breaks down nicely into threes. The law of three runs through it, and one of the first ways we're um, deconstructing the system is by looking at the um, instinctual center of intelligence. We have three centers: the thinking center, which are made up is made up by types five, six, and seven. Also call that the head center. We have the emotional center, which is made up of types two, three, and four, and sometimes we call that the heart center of intelligence. And today, the belly center, the instinctual center of intelligence. And um, we have all three. I want everybody to know that. But the type um, that we are sits in the center where we have the most amount of resources and, paradoxically, the least amount of freedom. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, one of the most fundamental instincts we have is anger and anger tells us what we want what we need what we care about what's fair what's right if we have our dignity if we're carrying things out with integrity and um, in this center it's where this instinct of anger can really get out of whack and even though it sounds cliche these types eight nine and one have to kind of come to grips with their anger and understand how they're working with it type ones suppress their anger we heard about that last time and type ones will will see deny their anger. That will be our next episode. But today we're talking about type eights and how they can express and sometimes overexpress the anger. Eights, I have to admit right off the, the um, right out of the gate here that I have a, a type bias because I have a middle son who's this type and I adore him. I am really am a lover of all people, but um, I think eights really come to teach the rest of us about truth and justice. And we really need the eight. They offer a formidable amount of protection to those people that they love and care about. It's really something to have an eight have your back. And they will fight our battles. They'll carry the torch for a cause. They, it's just amazing to be cared by, cared for by an eight. Um, and I have learned a little bit about what um, how this type operates and that the type eights, as they're growing up, they get to, to believe that, you know, only the... Only the strong survive. And so they adapt this kind of stance of strength. And really, we know it's a cover for their innocence. There's a lot of, it can be a lot of bluster and a lot of um, bravado for a type 8, but they, they tend to um, really fear being overpowered and out of, sorry, my cat just jumped in, my, being overpowered <laughs> by other people. And um, type 8s see themselves as strong and independent, and they totally are. Other people might experience eights as being, you know, belligerent or even dictatorial, and they can be. But we, um, when eights, we can recognize that they see relationships as power struggles. It can lead to people even turning against them. And the way out of this for type eight is just presence, like it is for everybody. That's the key. And acknowledging our own vulnerability um, allows what um, eights really need to do, and that's to drop their guard. And as they do that, they discover that love isn't threatening. It's really just the opposite. And they find out that the more they trust, the more others support them, and that creates a world of real cooperation instead of one that's more based on destruction. So I just wanted to encapsulate all of that and start off by inviting you, Lisa, if you're willing to just say a little bit about how this lands with you and how might you see in your own walk as an eight does your um does your tension tend to go to power and control do you see that in yourself um absolutely i think that also once i was you know recognized that kind of core um stance or belief within myself it was you know eye-opening um Mm -hmm. because it's you know as um a dominant type eight you know you don't realize that your need for control is sometimes you know, creating barriers or, um, you know, even taking on too much for yourself. And, and you know, it's, I think to, for that point of, you know, the power and control, it's this sense of um, always showing that, always having that veneer and that persona out there. Um, and whenever that's tested or whenever ever that's maybe 
um, you know, allowing people to look behind the curtain a little bit, that that becomes almost, again, if you're not aware of, of this need for power and control, then it, it just elevates it. And, and you go into more of a, um, you know, control struggle or more of a power grab type of situation. Right. Uh, and I'm so- going to. I'm going to start off by pushing back a little on our eights, just because I know we can, <laughs> and also because I know that I can really trust that type eights are truth tellers, and they want us to to have the real deal. So, Lisa, you have the like such a radio voice and such a um, soft presence in a lot of ways, and I'm wondering, is there a way that you could um, put some meat around this for us? Like, is that really true about you? I don't experience you that way. I speak to you a little soft. How, how <laughs> might your family say that? Or do you have an example of some way that this comes out in you that we might be able to get a sense of you? Um, sure. I think that, um, how would I put this? So, you know, certainly with, you know, relationships and family relationships, there's, um, you know, that point in time where eights will, I kind of continue to take things on and, and be like, yeah, I can handle that. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, just pass it over here. We got. And then you hit a point as an eight where you're like, this is too much. This, and you don't want people to realize that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you're feeling this crumble, of course, you want the, again, that image of you being powerful and strong and able to take everything on to still be what people see. So it creates this real you know, inner outer conflict. Um, And, you know, in the past, I would always be, you know, with my husband and with our family and, you know, kind of the one like, yeah, I got it. Don't worry about it. And now I'm much more like, hey, this, you know, I need you to step in here or I need, you know, I need help with this. And Mm -hmm. asking for help is, I mean, I'm in my, you know, mid 40s now. And that's a new thing still. That's very, very difficult to ask for help. And especially if you feel that, put you in a different light with that person like that that they you're you know like whoa why do you need to ask for help you're the strong one mm. so I think that that's a you know again with the study of the Enneagram and the work that I've um, done on my own self-awareness um, to to really allow myself to ask for help and allow others to see that you know um, that it's needed and that it's it's wanted, actually. Mm-hmm. Well. Dustin, I want to invite you in because I know I know a little bit about you, and maybe you could just say from your own experience, does this ring true to you too? That your attention just naturally goes to power and control? Uh, yes, it does um, naturally go to power and control. But um, you know, like like I don't like for me, like I'm not trying to control like the individual or the people. You know, I like to. Like, for me, the control is to control the environment, to control everything mm-hmm. around it, like, to be the boss of all that. And so everybody is, like, you know, like, working for me, but but but, but I have, like, their best interest at heart. You know, I want them, I want them to grow. I want them to, I want mm-hmm. to pull them up with me, you know, to be, like, my equals. And, um, but, like, not necessarily trying to control the individual. Mm. You know, you and then, yeah. um, the, but I definitely like how she's talking about how, um, you know, very, the, having the physical abilities and stuff, how would we like to, you know, be portrayed and seen as like this powerful individual and like, yeah, we keep on taking all this stuff, you know, but ultimately, you know, you end up crashing from that and, you know, just everything goes bad after that. <laughs> Right. No, I like what you're you're talking about. And do you have an example of something like this that you can reference from your own past? Anything that comes to mind? Um, How you- well, for me, for me, it would be my injury. Um, like for uh, at my last job, uh, I'm out on disability from work right now. I was at this company for seven years, and uh, I started off as a labor, and um, I very quickly uh, moved up through the ranks to becoming a, a site facility coordinator to where basically I didn't have a boss. I was pretty much my own boss. And I did that by, uh, it was a boarding school, so we had all these different facilities at this boarding school. We had like a water plant, a wastewater plant, a commercial kitchen, commercial pool, all these different all these different facilities there. So I continually got, went to going to school to get more and more education to get licenses, so all these facilities had to operate under my license. 
So no one could necessarily tell me what to do because I was <laughs> they're working under my license. So I had to teach everybody else on how this had to be done, how this had to go. And so I in essence I created my own uh, my own entity there at the job site, and I pushed myself physically harder and harder and harder until ultimately um, I ruptured a bunch of discs in my back, and uh, I literally just worked myself to the ground. And uh, that was, to me, that was, uh, to me, uh, my life was over. That was because I couldn't physically do any of the things I used to be able to do. And uh, that was, to me, that was, I just wanted to die. I didn't want to go on anymore after that. Yeah, that's a great uh, example. And and in that situation, Dustin, then were you in a position where you were forced to ask for help? Yeah, I did. I, I ended up, after 10 years of being clean and sober, I, uh, relapsed on the pain pills and uh that ultimately led me back to between the pain pills and being in a, a huge depression of just you know like i said once in my life i ultimately went back to illegal street drugs and uh mm-hmm. i fell asleep driving and hit a bunch of parked cars and um that got me back into that got me into jail and uh, I remember when I wrecked, it took about 20 or 30 minutes for the cops to come there. And I was just so tired of the way I was living that I sat there and waited for them to come because I was ready for help. I knew I needed help and I was going just bad. So I was ready for, for that help. And that's when I went to a county jail and then I was introduced to the EPP and um, really became more aware of myself and why I kicked the way I kick and really realized that I still have that inner inner strength in me to continue pushing forward and that my life wasn't over really was just Justin I want to just stop you there because it's so good and I know Rochelle needs to jump in (laughs) yeah it's time to take a short break everyone my co-host today for this nine prisons one key series is Susan Olesek over time in her role as an Enneagram facilitator on the inside Susan received the humble trust of many people who against all odds still somehow hoped for the possibility of making real and lasting changes in themselves most of us if we knew their shocking life stories would consider the tenacity with which the incarcerated hold out for their own personal promise, nothing short of miraculous. These are people who know suffering. Many were discarded as children, written off long before they became part of a criminal justice system that did so with authority. The only thing that eased the distressing observation of this collective pattern of violence, addiction, and crime was the diligent way in which Susan saw the incarcerated take to the Enneagram system time and time again. For a self-selecting subset of the incarcerated population, those totally sick of their past and present patterns, finding themselves on the Enneagram diagram came with an audible sigh of relief because we are all in the prisons of our own making in the ways we suffer our personalities. In the same way that business folks, at-home moms, teachers, and politicians stumble as they try to get out from under the insanity of the unchecked egos, the physically incarcerated desperately seek a way out of the prisons of their sabotaging behaviors of the prison of their own minds. These are the words of Susan Olesek. You can connect with Susan and sign up on her mailing list and get updates and support her healing work at EnneagramPrisonProject.org and SusanOlesek.com. And we will be right back after these messages. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. 
Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com If you're looking to be your best possible you, that is, in your top physical, mental, and spiritual health, then tune in each week to the Dr. Denise Wood Show. Every week, Dr. Wood and her guests will talk about the topics that you can relate to. We do it all with a little fun, understanding, and a lot of great information. In the end, we aim to put you on the path to a better you, one show at a time. Listen live to the Dr. Denise Wood Show every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Susan Olesic finds herself as frequently in actual prisons as she finds herself among Fortune 500 leaders, mirroring for her clients the virtual prisons we all create for ourselves and using herself as her own best material. The thing about the Enneagram is that it doesn't discriminate. It is an incisive map for anyone and everyone who is willing to let it guide them back to their true self. Over the course of this exploratory Nine Prisons, One Key series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, Susan will be featuring real-life exemplars that, such as we have today with Lisa and Dustin from vastly different walks of life. We will be taking this deep dive together um, with one of the nine personal prisons every month, leaving you with the compassionate and continual reminder that it is us who holds the key to our own real freedom. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you. And Dustin, I just want to pick right up where you left off. And then Lisa, I'm going to go to you next to to pick up this theme about asking for help feels like uh, giving all my power away. I've heard eights say that. And yet, at some point, we all um, feel that it's um, it's worth doing something different because our stance, our regular survival strategy doesn't work for us. And Dustin, for you to be sitting there waiting for the cops to come pick you up is such a story of surrender. It's very poignant. Can you say something about that and how that was pivotal for you? Yeah, it, um, it was a major turn because, um, you know, cause like I said, I've had before my 10 years clean and sober, you know, I was a very different person. I was, uh, very, you know, heavy into drugs and gangs and all that stuff. And I seen, and I was able to get myself out of that, you know, 10 years ago, um, because of my son was my driving factor then. And, um, but when my injury happened to me, nothing else mattered. And like I said, I really just want to die. And, uh, so when that injury, so when I wrecked my car, I, like, I just knew that I was, it was, that was like my bottom. I knew what was coming next, and I knew I was going to be able to get away if I wanted to, and all that stuff. Uh, but I just I was tired. I was tired of the life I was living. I was tired of feeling depressed, um, feeling lost, and just like just angry with myself. I was furious with myself, and I just couldn't live with myself. And uh, and of the pain that I was just going through, I couldn't, I couldn't cope. I didn't know how to cope with it or deal with it. And so, but then something happened when I wrecked, uh, I don't know. Uh, I want to say it was a spiritual moment because I remember I got out and something was telling me like, I was just done. Something was just telling me I'm done. And the next stop, if I, I really believed that, that if I left that scene and got rid of everything I had on me, that the next step was I would have, I would have been killed. And um, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. I wanted the help. And so I, I just I sat there and waited for them to come. And when the cops came, I told them about I had a, a illegal drugs in the back of my truck and a gun. And I told them exactly where that was. They, didn't, they thought they were just showing up to a, a regular crack accident scene. And, and then they and the cops were surprised. And, you know, they, they, they knew me from the past. You know, from they knew exactly where I was from years ago, and then I just told him, I was like, "Dude, I'm done, man." I remember telling the officer, "I need help. I need to, I need to go to help." And so yeah, I went to 
went to jail and it was very humbling for me and um it was uh it was just a really hard time um I'm, I'm can't even believe I'm actually out of jail right now with the charges I have um you know, but I just, I really believe it's just because of the work I'm doing and because of, you know, my relationship with, with my God and it's, I just give it all to that. And now I'm taking that same drive and dedication that I've used throughout my whole life and I'm really applying it to myself this time. And, I'm going to ask you um, to just stop there for a second, Justin, you're giving us so many juicy tidbits and <laughs> I just want to, um, Thank you for your your vulnerability with all of us because this is why one of the many reasons why I really love this type that you guys get to the heart of it and you don't mess around and talking about the truth. It seems like what you said is that your son and when he was born that was a profound opening for you of your heart and then in yeah. a, in an interesting way it's almost like um, you you saw his vulnerability which allowed you to open but then in this later date at the um, at the arrest when you sat there waiting for the cops you actually saw your own vulnerability and that is um, that was a, a huge opening yeah and um, on this theme I want to just hold on for a second and Lisa just inviting you in as you listen to Dustin I know you have children and you have your own um, sense of vulnerability what's coming up for you as you listen to Dustin and his story um, well, I mean, quite a bit, and and it's really an incredible story, Dustin. That you, that you know, the life that you've lived and the real turning point that you've um, encountered in the last year. So, thanks again for sharing that. Um, and I think from um, you know, from my perspective, I think when I became a mom, and um, it it did open that up in terms of allowing myself to just love this little creature that came into my life these little these little boys that just um you know loving them endlessly and and i think that the kind of you know the opening of a heart that with the eight a lot of of again that wall that we put up um that protectiveness of our own heart and not allowing others to see that and my you know i, I think as a mom it allowed me it gave me this freedom to to express that and to show that um you know for these guys and and also with that kind of opening up to being more loving you know with with others and and Mm -hmm. allowing and not being scared to um have that part of me be visible Mm -hmm. um and and not seeing it as a weakness not seeing Mm -hmm. it as potentially a way where people could take advantage of me or or could you know could get to me or could use it against me Mm -hmm. to see it as as part of who I am as a person as a mom and and as a human being on this planet so I I think that you know it becoming a parent for everyone is definitely life-changing but I think it gives you that reflection of what maybe you've held back in yourself or or have have um what went missing in you Mm -hmm. as a person well, I think the thing that I, I pick up from Dustin that you just say so clearly is that the ability of an eight to push and push mm-hmm. and push and to be against and to take a stand. And it's so familiar. It's actually mm-hmm. habitual, right? That's yeah. that need to be against. And I'm wondering, Lisa, what's the equivalent of that for you, even as a mom or as a professional? Why do you see yourself pushing? Um, well, I think... If I take it as a professional, I think sometimes in, in, in the work world, it's, you know, when you as an eight, sometimes you just have this, you know, sense of, well, this is the right thing and how are they not seeing it? Um, and, you know, and especially in the work that I do where I'm working with clients or, you know, you certainly can't take that, you know, this is it, come on, take it, <laughs> you know, and grab it and go <laughs> type of approach. So. Um, it, it's really also helped me, okay, if I feel a strong conviction about something, but there's it's not cutting through or it's not landing, to really help to unpack that and to understand what's the missing link, what, you know, what are they believing and, and why, and, and to help to get a sense of maybe why I'm holding on to something so strongly or more my clients are or, or such mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, in, in my younger years, it was 
the sense of, okay, well, just keep pushing, just keep throwing more information, just keep, you know, reiterating your point and, and kind of running into, um, you know, the sense of, okay, if I just put more energy against this, if I just put more facts against this, um, they'll get to see it and they'll see it my way. And now mm-hmm. realizing that, that, you know, yes, I have a strong opinion about something, but let's open that up and understand, you know, where there's contradictions or where there's other approaches or other angles to coming towards something. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while just to be even willing or, or knowing how in the world to pause, especially yeah. for assertive type eight, where the energy is so, you know, moving hard and fast and furious out in front of us. And we have these defense mechanisms, which are unconscious strategies or ways that we have to feel okay about ourselves and for type 8 the defense mechanism that goes along with that type although we use all of them is called denial mm-hmm. and um, my first teacher Barbara White said I remember she always used to say denial is like the fight all started when he hit me back mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that one yeah. and my type 8 son is, has definitely come in the door um, following somebody screaming before and he's like I didn't do anything I didn't do anything but denial is sort of you know under keeps all this stuff undercover you don't yeah. know what's going on and Dustin maybe I can invite you back into can you can you say anything about denial do you see that in yourself and you see how that could keep you running for quite a while longer yes uh, denial really does um, keep me going because denial would be admitting that I'm not 100% right. And uh, for me, that's, uh, sorry, for me, that's huge. Um, not being, you know, like, like we were saying that we have very strong opinion. And I have that, like, I just believe everyone's kind of born with that natural, you know, you know, right from wrong, you know, what's just, what's not just, you know, it's fair. And I like to think that all my decisions are based on that. And, but a lot of times I do overlook things and I'm not always right. And, you know, but be able to admit that and face that is not an easy task at all. That's, that's part for me. That's, that's probably my weakness, you know, just really telling myself I have this all under control and everything's going to work out the way I foresee it to work out. But that's not always the case. So, (laughs) If I could add to that, um, while we're connecting back with Susan, you know, one of the tricks to to Dustin's point um, that I had adopted when I was first really becoming aware of this kind of outward extended energy of, of, you know, aggressive, that can sometimes be seen as aggressive or, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, power pursuit was really just to even bite my tongue um, to kind of force the pause um, mm. to to get to a point where I'm like, okay, allow someone else to speak or you've already made that point, you know, and, and don't continue to kind of be a battering ram um, type of feel. Mm. So it, it became, yeah, and that, that became a way to become aware of the behavior and to kind of break it for myself. That's fantastic, yeah. Lisa. And Dustin, you mentioned that too. It almost feels like they, um, it's like that pause between the the stimulus and the response, as mm-hmm. Dr. Victor Frankel, I know, has said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it creates that space for the for everything to be held in awareness, mm-hmm. and and kind of like a it's a it's like practicing flexibility. Yeah. 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 Susan, are you back? I'm back. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Lisa was just sharing so thoughtfully about, um, you know, just slowing down long enough to create the space for, for this awareness to develop. But we are, we probably should scoot to a break if that's okay, <laughs> everyone, and we'll, we'll come back together on the other side of this break. Um, does Susan Olasek believe people can change? She says confidently, of course. I believe that they can, but not everyone pursues actual change because not everyone is ready. For those who are willing, however, for those who are willing to take an honest look within, for those willing to tolerate some serious presence, transformation is really possible. We are all works in progress. Once people realize that, as Father Richard Rohr says, how we do anything is how we do everything. We've touched on a revelation worth sticking around to observe. It is with the nourishment of our own inner observer that we can create the inner 
perseverance to move beyond the crazy habits we fall into on the outside. Life is like a carousel. We can go round and round on the same horse. Or we can have a seat in the controller's box right in the middle of everything and sit back and watch. We can even decide to get off whenever we are ready to and choose a new ride. The most empowering thing is in knowing that this is completely and 100% our choice and within our capacity. These are the words of my co-host for this amazing Nine Prisons, One Key series, Susan Olasek. You can connect with Susan and sign up on her mailing list and get updates and support EPP at EnneagramPrisonProject.org and Susan Olesic.com and we will be right back after this commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Addiction. People struggle with it every day. Their families share in the struggle. It seems that there are no answers and nowhere to turn. Now, host Tim Ryan shares his remarkable story of addiction, the trouble he has faced, including drug-related crimes, serving time, and the loss of his own son to heroin addiction. Tim shares the knowledge he has learned in his recovery and provides much-needed information. Listen to A Man in Recovery Radio, from dope to hope. Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Welcome back. My co-host today is human potentialist Susan Olesek. For the better part of the last eight years, Susan Olesek and her small but devoted team have had the distinct privilege of teaching hundreds of incarcerated men and women the Enneagram. Over Susan's 18 plus years of studying this system, she's certified with two prestigious schools of Enneagram teaching and continually applied her findings to the personal, professional, and spiritual aspects of her own life. In the wake of her own deep dive into the many fascinating facets of this roadmap to human nature, working with the incarcerated more than any other training to which she has applied herself has helped Susan come to one very clear life-altering conclusion. The Enneagram system, when properly understood, is a profound tool for human transformation. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you, Rochelle. I like that you just mentioned those two things because um, part of my Enneagram training is first with Enneagram studies in the narrative tradition under the founding... um, co-founders Helen Palmer and David Daniels and I later went on to certify with Enneagram Institute with Riso and Hudson and um, Lisa herself comes from the Enneagram Institute tradition and and Dustin is now beginning his journey studying with Enneagram studies in the narrative tradition so I feel like the schools are well represented here and maybe we could just talk a little bit about what's happening with um, how understanding ourselves is uh, and the prison that we make for ourselves how that's translating into supporting this project that is 
really has a, a lofty vision of um, freeing people all over the world from the prisons that they make for themselves. Now, Dustin has just come back from a first um, nine days of intensive training with uh, Enneagram Studies and the narrative, narrative Tradition here in California. And maybe, Dustin, you could just um, fill us in a little bit about what was it like to come into this, I'll call it a square world. That's what you guys often call, <laughs> call those of us yeah. who are... Uh, living on the outside, what was it like for you to just enter into that space? Wow. Um, okay, so for me, I remember my first uh, two days there, I was completely terrified, and I really mm-hmm. felt like I was the, you know, the sore thumb in the group. Um, it was weird because I was talking. I ended up building a really good bond with a lot of the people there, and they were very, you know, like you said, you know, they were square people. They're, you know, they're all just professional <laughs> in their field, psychiatrists, therapists, and stuff like that. And um, I was talking with them, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm terrified being in this room with you. If you want to fill this room up with drug addicts and gang members and, and just the worst, the worst, I would be very comfortable. I feel mm-hmm. right at home, and I feel like I did it perfectly. But now I'm in a room with all these people, and I was like... I was freaking out. I was super emotional. <laughs> I was just, felt was really vulnerable. I felt judged, all this stuff. But it was all in my head. You know, I later found out that was just, that was just, you know, I didn't want to open up at first, and I was just really nervous, you know. But, you know, as time went on, I realized that that's just me guarding myself, really. I didn't want to open up. I didn't think anybody would understand me and understand the kind of person I was or why I took the way I took. And I found that we were all the same, you know, whether they had their lifestyle, the way they lived their life and the way I lived mine, we were really the same, just different situations, but, mm. but, but the same problems. And I really right, found that for me. And I love what you, the way you describe it, Dustin, because we call that a projection, by the way, and that's where all of us yeah. can use all these different defenses. But by building it up as though all that stuff was going on and the people around you, you could keep that wall up around your heart. What caused you or what allowed you to drop it? I just had to, I just had to do it. It was just, for me, it was like, it was just kind of stepping into the unknown. It was just, I had to... I don't, I can't really pinpoint what exactly was able to make me drop my guard and really open up to them all, but I just felt like it was something I had to do in order for me to grow and to be the person and the kind of person that I want to be, not only for myself, but for my son and, and in society in general. Well, this is a higher side of you pushing against that, um, in the same way we were just talking about in the first segment, the pushing, right? Instead of pushing against everybody else around you, you push against that wall that you made for yourself, and you you do that by getting very vulnerable. Yes, and that was an emotional wreck. (laughs) I I made, as soon as I opened up and allowed these people in, I pretty much couldn't stop crying. I was just bawling this entire time there, and uh, I just, but... At the end of every day, you know, for the first time since my injury, I was, I had a good night's sleep every night. I was, I was able to get comfortable and, um, it just felt like a lot was lifted off my chest and I didn't feel like I was, uh, being judged and I didn't feel trapped or like, you know, I was doing things because I wanted to do it because I knew that that was the right thing to do for me. And, um, I never really approached anything with that attitude before I was my outlook was always how am I going to get bigger in the areas that I'm at in my life to be able to pull the people within my circle up with me because I knew if I was rising the people around me would rise and and that's mm-hmm. I really fell I just went down it's the highest, highest side of the type that you're talking about. The, the more you trust other people to support you, the more you create this sort of cooperative world that you really want. And you just, it's its so not the way um, the way eights grow up, believing that they, they can surrender that kind of part of themselves. And Lisa, I know you've had an experience of 
of trainings just like this that are heart opening on the Enneagram Institute side. And also, Lisa, I know you met Clay Toomey when he was first going through some of his training, who's one of our our OGs, I'll call him original um, <laughs> ambassadors that started out with our ambassador program. Can you add to this conversation that's coming up for you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I when I signed up for part one, I was just intrigued by the Enneagram and was stepping out of corporate world and and getting ready to start my own business and didn't really know what that was going to look like or you know what which how that was going to shape or so lots lots of question marks and and really wasn't even sure if I was stepping out of corporate world and I remember at part one you know sitting there and kind of being a little bit um, skeptical and, and you know a little bit like all right is this I can't believe I'm going to be here for five days. Is this really <laughs> worth my time? Blah, blah, blah. And then a few of the women who were, you know, more um, uh, senior to me and really got up and spoke about, you know, their break. They, you know, I worked in, you know, this job for 25 years and then I just had a meltdown or I did this for this amount of time and I just, there was one morning where I couldn't wake up and I, I couldn't move and and there was about at least three, maybe four stories very much along that vein. And I just sat there in silence saying, this is me if I don't make a change. And it mm. was very much, it was very eye-opening and it was very confronting um, to realize that that was kind of the, the train track that I was on. Um, so it, it was also, you know, I was already at the point of considering the, uh, you know, considering a big change and it, it just made it so obvious and evident that it was a must mm-hmm. and that I needed to take steps for myself um, that maybe, you know, other people from an outside perspective go, what is she doing? Why is she walking away from this? But it absolutely made my life, um, you know, more open and um, healthier for for me and for my family as well, mm. um, and so that was kind of you know even that was within the first hour of being at the part one, and I was like, all right, now I know why I'm here. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was no doubt of continuance, mm-hmm. um, and then you know watching, you know being witness to um, you know Clay's experience during the, the many trainings of you know really allowing himself to you know, be, be seen and heard as an emotional person and, and to, to share, um, you know, the pains and the, and be so open about it. Um, you know, it was just truly, uh, such a gift, um, to be part of that experience in that community as, as that unfolded. Um, and I, you know, I think to your point, Susan, you know, the, the, sense of readiness and and openness and realization um, amongst, you know, those who have kind of hit that point of of bottom and and been in prison and then to be ready to experience the Enneagram and and to learn it and to live it um, is, is definitely remarkable to see. Um, that's beautiful. I, I know we're getting really close to the close of the show, and I just want to um, thank you both, Lisa and Dustin. Thank you so much for all of your your sharing and just being vulnerable because it really is it's a gift that you're giving to all of us for us to to learn from your experiences. And, um, and your ex- just sharing your own vulnerability gives us permission to be vulnerable too. And it's such a powerful opening um, and such a healing balm for so um, so much suffering in the world. So thank you both so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for thank having you. us on. Really enjoyed thank it. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Rochelle. Yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> well, I just want people to know that um, the work only works when people work it. And <laughs> what is, you know, I think the, the Enneagram is an amazing tool and Enneagram Prison Project is, you know, founded with a really strong spirit. But the reason the project has been successful and continues to be is because people come in with the, the heart like Lisa and Dustin are exemplifying for us today that telling the truth about ourselves is terrifying. Like, you know, you should see Dustin. You can't visually get him, but he's he's all eight, right? <laughs> and it looks so scary yeah. to admit that I, I was terrified and that I bawled like a baby is such a position of power, actually. Mm-hmm. And how great for the rest of us that 
you're willing to do that because like like Rochelle just said, you're you're paving the way. So I really thank you for um, for being part of the project for Dustin for rolling up your sleeves and doing that work of vulnerability. And Lisa's been you know instrumental in in doing that and also coming in on the business side and helping us with things we didn't know how to do. So it's been really a blessing for us to get both of you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. My co-host today has been human potentialist Susan Olesek. To learn more about her extraordinary work and our ongoing series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, please visit EnneagramPrisonProject.org, and you can learn more about Susan at SusanOlesek.com. Our next episode together in March will feature the Enneagram Type 9, the mediator peacemaker, so mark your calendars and tune in for that. And to our dear listeners, you will not want to miss our conversation next week, where Dr. Bai Akamolafe and I will be re-entangling humans with nature in a talk with Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin on spirituality and ecology of belonging. In her most recent book, Frederic states that even in the 21st century, two-thirds of the world's peoples live in non-modern places, non-square places, as we were talking about today. In such places, the multitudinous voices of the spirit and deities of the other-than-human world continue to be heard, they continue to be loved or feared or both, and they continue to accompany human beings in all their activities. In this episode, Apfel Marglin draws on a lifetime of work with indigenous peoples of Peru and India to explore how the beliefs, values, practices of such traditional peoples recognize that human beings are in communion with other beings in nature, that have agency, and are they, are, they are kinds of spiritual intelligences. Ritual is the medium for communicating and creating and working with the other than humans who daily remind the humans that the world is not for humans' exclusive use. And when such relationships are robust, human lifeways are rich and environmentally sustainable. The objective is to re-entangle humans in nature by promoting a spirituality and ecology of belonging and connection to nature. Wow, doesn't that sound imperative, especially in today's disconnected modern world? Definitely tune in for that. In the meantime, join us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Facebook page. You can follow our Twitter feed at Revolution Well. And um, it's been such a pleasure to be here with you all on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Until next time, I'm Rochelle McLaughlin. May you be well and may we all be well thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness and your experience of your own infinite potential with revolutionary wellness talk radio join host rochelle next thursday at 2 p.m pacific 5 p.m. Eastern Time to turn courageously toward your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, you too can experience revolutionary wellness. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.